think I turned it on. Okay. All right. Great. It's just a privilege to be back up here and talking. Uh, uh, really, it's just the Word of God. And um, let me get my books open here so I can get started, too. Pastor has been talking about um, what the church is doing in these end times, in the last times, what we are supposed to be doing. And so, um, wait just a minute. I've got so much talking to do tonight, I need my little water. Oh, and there's already one there. Um, the pastor's been talking about what we should be doing and while we're waiting and in the uh, church age. Um, and so I thought it would be appropriate if we would go to the book of Revelation, where at the very beginning, uh, John, which was a disciple of Jesus's, was told by God that he needed to write uh, these letters to the existing churches. And so I've listed them and the things that Jesus told them early on as the church was just starting out. The churches there um, that are listed are all in, Turk in Turkey, and some of them still exist. And um, Turkey, as we know it now, is basically a Muslim. Um, 98%. Yeah, 98%. And... But it started out, the churches were founded there in the middle of um, Roman Empire. And so we're going to talk about some of those things. But Revelation is a book that not a lot of people delve into because there's sections of it that's very, very hard to understand. And it could be you get to a place where you don't understand the symbolism in it or you don't, it's could be scary and frightening, and we would rather just avoid that. So it's a good thing that we're um, going to delve into it, at least the first three chapters tonight. Uh, a little pet peeve of mine is that it is the book of Revelation. There was only one Revelation, and John wrote it all down. We have a book of Psalms from David and some of the others, Old Testament, and it's Psalm 1, Psalm 2, but those are two of the Psalms. But Revelation is only one revelation, and it was given to John. So that's a little um, something I just wanted to pass on. Uh, revelation 1, verse 1 through 3, and the scriptures that I'm using tonight and going to be going over a little bit um, I just wrote down here so that you have them and we can put them in order. This was written in A.D. 70 through 95. At this time, John was a very, very old man. They, he had gone through a lot of persecution. Uh, they even tried to boil him in oil, but God prevented that from happening. And um, then uh, he is put out on an island all by himself. And there he sat, and they are taking care of him, but it's like he's in prison, and no way out. Well, during that time, God gave him the revelation. And I want to read, and you follow along, from Revelation 1, verse 1 through 3. The revelation 
of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, and that's to Jesus, to show his servants things which must shortly take place. All right, so we've got God giving uh, and sharing with Jesus the revelation about Jesus Christ. All right, we need to understand that through the whole book, that this is a revelation about Jesus Christ, that Jesus wants his servants to know. All right, the next sentence, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. All right, that's how it got to John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Now, remember, I'm going to stop there. Remember that John was with Jesus on the first coming all the way through. And actually, John is a relative of Jesus in the natural. They were cousins. <clears throat> and so um, he was with Jesus, and he was also called the Beloved, if you remember from the New Testament. And it says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. All right, so God gave it to Jesus. Jesus sent it by an angel to John, and John is writing it down and testifying to everything that is said because he knows Jesus so well, and Jesus is working through him. Uh, one of the things that prophecy does um, for the church, he, God prophesied um, the first coming of Jesus Christ to the letter. And I think we talked about that last week, just uh, touched on it. That when those prophecies all came true, it should have been a testimony of the truthfulness of God's word to make them their faith grow stronger because they saw what God had told them came actually true to the letter. And so um, here we have, we're going to be having prophecies on what God wanted the church to do. And remember, the church is very young in this, but he's telling them how he wants the church and he's correcting them and uh, letting them springboard from that. So, <clears throat> We always blame the Jews. Why didn't they get it when Jesus came around the first time? I mean, it's written right there. Well, guess what? It is written right here for the churches. And we have to get it. God wants you to know, and so you study. All right. Well, here's John's description um, um, that from... Here's the description of Jesus from John's point of view. In verse, chapter 1, verse 12 through 16. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven gold lampstands. All right, you got that? You're imagining that? And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one, like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with a gold band. His head, was, um, his head and hair were like white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet 
were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Well, we go on then, and Jesus talks to John. He's got his attention now. But here's the commission that, John, that Jesus was giving to John. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Does anybody know what amen means? So be it. So be it. I believe it. And anything else you want to say to yes, yes, and amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. So write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. All right, so there's three things that he wants to write down, but write them down. Now, there's an application here that I wanted to mention. Jesus wants to reveal himself to you for you to know him for who he is. Now, this is really called the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Ah, that's not it. The fear of the Lord in scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, is when you know exactly who God says he is, and you believe it, and you stand on his word as gospel truth. Then you know you can trust him, have faith in him, follow him, be with him, and that he is always with you. That is the fear of the Lord. So... When you believe that God is who he says he is, and when you take him at his word, Christ will tell you personally what he wants you to do. He will prepare you and has prepared, for he designed you and he knows you. His commission to you will align with the desires of your heart. For after all, he is the one that already placed those desires in your heart. And so when we become a believer in Jesus Christ, he has prepared, he has saved you and saved you for a purpose because he knows what he designed for you to be. And the closer you get to God, the better you hear him, and then he can commission you. It might, pastor's always saying, what, Nairobi? You didn't want to go to Nairobi? And uh, so he didn't want that, but God didn't have Nairobi in mind for him. He had the Grace Church here. So don't be afraid of what he might ask you to do because it's going to be within your heart. Okay? So let's go on to Revelation um, 2 and 3 and get down to the new churches. In Revelation 2 and 3, are listed seven different churches. Now, I put a map on the other side, so let's look at that map real quick on the next page. They are all in, the tur in Turkey, and you, you've sort of, they're all black and white. I wish 
the water was blue and the land was green, so it would be easier to read, but it's in black and white. So if you see sort of in the middle of the page is Laodicea, but right to the left of it is Ephesus. All right, and you can see we're going to talk about it being a port city and the importance of that port city. And then we're going to go up to Smyrna, right above it. And again, it's by a port. And also up to Pergamum. Is everybody following? We're going to veer over to the right to Thyatira, down to Sardis, and then over to Philadelphia and down to Laodicea. So it sort of goes from there and just sort of makes a little circle and comes back down. All right? So you can see where those locations are. Um, we have missionaries over in Turkey, and they have visited these spots. I can't imagine going and seeing where these first churches were. It, they weren't the first churches, because churches were being developed, but these churches are the ones that Jesus picked out to write the letters to. So let's go back to the first page. There is an order that Jesus talks to the churches. Jesus always identifies himself first as he addresses each individual church. The next thing he does is he commends his church, tells them how well they're doing and what he likes. Now that's important, what he likes. He wants to tell you what he likes. And then he gives his criticism or his correction for maybe things that you need to do differently. And then he gives them his instruction on how to do that. All right, and that's an important thing. I just don't tell somebody that you don't like what they're doing. You gotta tell them how to correct that, all right? And then he gives a promise if they follow that. Over to the right of the page, I put a little application for us. Um, that I really like from his examples, that he identifies himself. But then, um, what it is, is always start a conversation that you know is going to have to end up with some discussion and start with saying something good, something nice, something break the ice, and just, okay? And that brings that person a little more at ease I'm sure it brought the churches at ease. And then they were able to receive the criticism. Okay? So say something good before you give your children or your friend or whoever you're needing to talk to um, the criticism or the correction that they need. And then afterwards, there always should be a good outcome given. So in the seven churches, we are going to find out that Jesus identifies himself, he commends them, he gives his criticism or correction, and then he gives them his instruction and he gives them a promise. So let's go on to page three. Um, <clears throat> the first uh, church that we're going to go to is that port city, Ephesus. Uh, a lot of your Bibles will give headings for each one of these churches. 
and the one that I was following that I liked their just little description of the church was this was the loveless church. So let's see how Jesus identifies himself and, uh, and then proceeds with that. But I do want you to know that we don't have the time tonight to tell you what each one of these, the seven stars and seven candlestands, we're not talking about all of that. We're just talking about what he wants from the churches. But you can go on, take this, and if you have curiosity about it, research it yourself. Because every one of these things is telling us about the revelation of Jesus Christ and who he is and the importance of that. <clears throat> and then he goes on and talks about the church. So, in Ephesus, it was a chief port city in Asia. And because of this influence from many, many different countries, it had many Roman temples, there were many cults, and they were exposed to cultural influences from around the world. Now, just imagine, then there was a lot of ocean traffic coming in, and it was by a river, and they could get onto the inland of Asia. And you just can imagine um, uh, New York, for instance, that has so many, in years past, freights and everything coming in. You get, you get things from all over the place. Well, that's what's Ephesus. So Jesus comes, and he identifies himself. Jesus who holds the seven stars in his right hand. And remember, there's seven churches. Okay, that's a little hint there. And who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. All right, he's walking around with them. And then he tells them, I know your works and your labor and your patience and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and they are not, and have found them liars. Okay, so here he says that the good things that they've done is that they have rejected the evil, they have persevered, and they have patience. Good for you, Ephesus. But you have left your first love. Their love for Christ was no longer fervent. We remember when the day we got, um, heard the good news of the gospel and of Jesus Christ and the salvation that he offered and the washing away of the sins and living forever with him and he could teach us and abide, have the Holy Spirit abide in us. And oh, it was so wonderful. It was a love affair that was so exciting. And just, yes! We all know about those just recently saved Christians. They're just on fire for the Lord. But Ephesus was like that, but they, their love for the Lord had dwindled. So, what Jesus says for them to do, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. In other words, remember those good old days. It was so nice. I loved it. Repent. And do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. So do the works you first did. Remember that. Keep your fire burning. 
Okay, what's that song? This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Don't let it go out, won't let Satan blow it out. You know, we all remember those songs. So do the works you did at first. And then he says, for the promise, he who has an ear, how many of you have ears tonight? Okay, he who has an ear, let him um, hear. Oh, I put heart, sorry. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes or is victorious, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of paradise of God. That's a nice promise. Okay, well, let's, any questions there about Ephesus? All right, on your map, we're going to go up north a little bit. And we're going to go to Smyrna. It's labeled as the persecuted church. Smyrna was compulsory open worship of the Roman Empire or Emperor. Um, how many of you have ever heard of Polycarp? Um, okay, Polycarp was in Smyrna and he refused that order and he was burned at the stake. There was intense pressure given by the government to conform. Intense pressure to conform. So Jesus introduces himself and he says, I am the first and the last. I was dead, but I came to life. All right. I know your works, your tribulation, your poverty, but you really are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. So they gracefully bear suffering. They are because they're persecuted by the government to conform, but they don't. So they gracefully bear their suffering. But was there any criticism for those? No, Jesus skipped right over any criticism because he knows they're having it rough. And he goes on, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful unto death. Now these might not be words that we want to hear. But if we're persecuted, if we're forced to conform and we refuse, there's a chance. But you have to weigh what the Lord is telling you. You have to weigh this might happen, but do I want to reject Jesus? No, I'll stand and be strong. For the Lord knows he's my help, he's my strength, he's my refuge, he will carry me through. So they, they, uh, Jesus encouraged them, do not fear, be faithful unto death. And then verse 10 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. So not hurt is the promise by the second death. Not hurt by the second death. Now that's eternal life. Uh, when it talks about the second death, we all are going to die once. But the second death is eternal death. 
and we talk about what hell is. Hell is complete separation from anything about God. Complete separation. And therefore, if there's no God that's goodness and kindness and peace and joyful and so on and so on, there's nothing like that in the place that they're going to end. And it is torment because there's no God. It's not peaceful because there's no God. So that's where we have to make the choice. Even if times become difficult, we have to make that choice. Let's go on to Pergamos. In Revelation, this is the compromising, the compromising church. Pergamos was progressive intellectual center. It was home to the statue of Zeus, lots of pagan worship, because again, they're getting people from all over the world. The administrative capital of the Roman province Asia was at this place. And so it was a large, large, busy town. And Jesus, who comes in, he has the sharp two-edged sword. Sharp two-edged sword. Cuts to the spirit, doesn't it? All right, so he knows exactly what it's going to take. His word is sharper than a two-edged sword. In verse 13, it says, I know your works and where you dwell where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name, and you did not deny my faith even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. So his commendation to them, they keep the faith of Christ. But I have a few things against you. Because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus, you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Now, Balak, I'll go back a little bit. They were sacrificing children to Balak. And um, they had horrible pagan worship services and sexual immorality and all of that. And um, that was going on at the same time that these people were following Christ. And some of it was getting mixed over. A little bit of this and a little bit of that. That's not what Jesus wants. So verse 16 told them how to correct it. You repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So they were just told to repent. Acknowledge it, recognize it, repent. And in verse 17, it says, He who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. Didn't you always wonder what that manna in Israel looked like? Tasted like? And I will give him a white stone. And on the stone, a new name written, which no one else except him who receives it. 
Now, those little tidbits, what is white stone and all that, those you can all research out. And in the Bible, you are going to find the answer to every one of those little questions. Uh, even two-edged sword. Research that out. See all the scriptures and how it's used. So, he says, your promise is hidden manna to eat and a white stone with a new name written on it that only you will know. That's pretty cool. All right, Thyatira. This was the corrupt church. All right, we've had compromising. We've had loveless. We've had persecuted. Now we're going to have a corrupt church. Thyatira, they were skilled and talented craftsmen who formed guilds. They were known worldwide, and they monopolized the market for their particular crafts. Most of those crafts were made for idol worship. A little idol here, a big idol for that one, idols to put in your house, little this, little that but they were crafted beautifully. And like the people in those cults, they wanted them. So there lies the compromise. This is the compromising church. If they didn't do their crafts for idol worship, they didn't get paid. And there was the compromise. Do I keep supporting my family? or don't, what am I going to do? So there was a compromise that had to be chosen. They might not have any income. So let's see what Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. Now, in this description of him with fine brass, Brass, something made out of brass, is immovable. What does he think for the compromising church? What a good example. I got feet like brass. Where's your feet at? You know, compromise or not. So that's immovable going on. I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are even more than the first. They were a growing church. So love, service, faith, patience is greater than at first. But, verse 20, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and even eat things to sacrifice to idols. Now, the next few verses, verse 21 through 23, tells exactly how God is going to handle Jezebel. I didn't include that because it's not real good for Jezebel. Uh, and you can read that later, but I'm concerned about the church, not Jezebel. So we go down to 24. What can we, you do about that? Because you're tolerating the cult of idolatry and Im immorality. He says, but I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching of Jezebel and all the other stuff, 
who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. So get a little brass in your feet. Get a little brass in your feet. Hold fast. Judgment is coming. Keep the faith. So, verse 26 through 29, He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You're going to rule over nations and receive the morning star. I want you to recall a verse that says that at, in his second coming, um, that we will rule and reign with him. He needs to get us ready because the faithful, the ones that have a little brass in their feet and some of the other things that Jesus has said, when he, he's going to have you rule because the earth will be populated again by um, uh, throughout the millennium. Thousand years. Think how many people can be there. So we need to rule and reign with Christ. And it's his bride that rules and reigns with them. So rule over nations and receive the morning star. Okay, Sardis, I have really got to go on quick now. So that's the dead church. As Sardis is a junction of royal highways linking Ephesus, Pergamos, and Smyrna to the interior of Asia Minor and is built on high cliffs above a valley and the woolen industry using certain dyeing techniques along with their arts and their crafts were their main industry. And the stream Pactolus had rich gold veins. Also, Sardis is credited for making the first coins gold and silver coins. And Jesus comes to them and says, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, some of you have kept the faith. Oh, that would be so sad for Jesus to walk in and say, Well, some of you have kept the faith. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. So be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received what you have received and heard, and hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and, will, um, and you... It's supposed to be not, not hot. And you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So repent and strengthen what remains. And he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot his name from the book of life, that's another thing you might want to pursue and, and look up. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, which we are a part of. And Philadelphia, 
going on down. Uh, they were known for their brotherly love, their vineyards and wine production, pagan worship um, to Dionysus, which is the god of wine and, and fertility, uh, was popular in Philadelphia. But it's located on low, broad hills, and the location has many natural disasters. They had earthquake that was known all over the world when it happened, and church was familiar to volatile, unstable conditions. So Jesus, and he came, and he says, who is holy, and we talked about that a while back, about holy is not common. It's not something seen all the time. It's one of a kind and like nothing else. Who is true? He who has the key of David. He who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works, Philadelphia. See, I have set before you an open door, which is an opportunity. And no one can shut it, for you have a little strength. You have kept my word and have not denied my name. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly, and hold fast what you have that no one can take your crown. There's no criticism here. He goes on and he says, He who overcomes... I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. In the second coming, Jesus will establish his kingdom on the throne of David in Jerusalem and Mount Zion. But after the thousand-year reign, that's when the new Jerusalem and the new earth come. And that's when uh, we all go into eternity. And that's quite a story in itself. Okay, last page. Laodicea. And it's the, um, Laodicea was the chief city in Phrygia, and vast wealth and cloths and carpets of black wool, they were just beautiful. There was a medical school there known, uh, and they had an eye salve that they made there that they produced that people from all over came for this special eye salve. And it lacked a good water source, which they had to pipe it down through rock pipes. Now, I just recently learned from our study in Isaiah um, that um, um, Laodicea was at a point where this water was coming down and this water was coming down. This water was from where hot springs were and those hot waters were coming down and over here from another town and they were out of the mountains and it was very, very cold. So anyway, Laodicea was right there. And it was, they had to, the water swirled and mixed right there. But when it was mixing, it became smelling like rotten eggs from the sulfur. And over here, it was just bubbling cold, but it got lukewarm. 
And I don't know if on this hot day even taking lukewarm water, and especially if it didn't smell good and taste good, it would just be, ugh. And so Jesus comes and he says, I am the amen. Remember? Amen. The faithful and the true witness and the beginning of the creation of God. But there's no condemnation or no commendation. He didn't say anything good about them. He says, I know your works that you are neither hot or cold, and I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are just lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That'd be a nasty thing for somebody to say to you. <laughs> you make me sick. Uh, and because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, you are miserable, poor, you're blind and you're naked. And they thought they were self-sufficient and really didn't need God. So, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. That's spiritually rich. And white garments that you may be clothed and the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes, not with your salve, but with eye salve that you may see, but with the anointing of God, see from God's perspective. See things as God sees them. And as many of, as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. And that's important for us to remember. As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. And behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame, and I sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And I go quickly because the food for thought that I want to leave you with and the application therein, churches can be loveless or persecuted or compromising, corrupt or dead or faithful or just lukewarm. And Jesus tells us, individually today reject evil persevere have patience do the works you did at first and eat from the tree of life gracefully bear suffering do not fear be faithful until death you will not be hurt by the second death and you will receive the crown of life keep your faith in Christ repent Eat hidden manna you um, are given and a white stone with a new name. Love, serve, have faith, patience, hold fast for judgment is coming. Keep the faith. And with Jesus, you will rule over the nations and receive the morning star. Repent. Strengthen what remains. The faithful will be honored and clothed in white. Persevere in your faith. God will open doors of opportunity for you. 
you will have a place in God's presence. You're going to have a new name and be in the new Jerusalem. Don't be indifferent, but be zealous for God. Repent. You will be invited to share Christ's throne. That, that is the word of the Lord that went to the churches, and we are still the church of God through Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, praise God. Get into Revelation, verse chapters 1, 2, and 3. You know a little bit about it now, and it will lift you up, strengthen your faith. In Jesus' name, amen. you got about 30 seconds before the kids come in. <laughs> I talked fast, didn't I? <laughs> I slipped that in, yeah. <laughs>